Hello, everybody. Crypto traders around the world. We're back with another episode of Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net, a.k.a. Basic Cryptonomics. Thank you for joining here today. My name is Leister. I'm your host. We've got a couple topics I want to go through. First, let's get the particulars out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. Once again, that site is CryptoTalkRadio.net. That's where you're going to find all of our past, present, and future podcast episodes. The podcast is on all major podcasting platforms as well. Feel free to check that out. Let us know what you think. Link at the top says contact. Click that. Fill out the form. Come straight in. We read each and every one of those. We appreciate hearing feedback from our listeners, whether you're a subscriber or not. We would appreciate your subscription if you're a first-time listener. We again welcome you here. We think you're going to find it's completely different from any other crypto podcast that's out there. And hopefully you get great enrichment to the point that you feel like you want to spread the word out there. The last thing I'll call out is our triad membership. The triad is where we are trying to build a community of serious investors, not the kids that say the word Jeet and say the word Keck and can't half read. We're talking serious investors that believe there's something to this cryptocurrency thing and they want to talk to other grown adults, other serious people. Get away from the toxicity. Check it out on the site. Click on triad. It'll tell you about our different tiers for joining the full on triad. If you still have questions, you can join us in our discord channel. CryptoTalkRadio.net slash Discord will take you straight there. And anybody will be happy to answer any questions you may have. Given that, let's go ahead and jump right into our content for today's episode. Man, I got to tell you, I am almost physically ill. I am really just, I don't, let me break down. This is a personal update. I think it's important that you understand because again, it goes to where I am as a podcaster. So, I told everybody I have three endeavors now. The third one's not finalized. It's not fully done, but it's expected to be. We just have not finished every single, crossed every T, right? But I have the other two endeavors. The first endeavor, he's still delaying my payments, so that bothers me. The second endeavor, we haven't even really started. I go to meetings, but I'm not getting full pay because it was set up, jacked up. So we're trying to get that fixed. To their credit, they're working with it, and it's not that much time engagement right now, but I'd like to start getting more money, right? So there's those two. There's money. It's not as fast as I want it to do. And then there's this third one, which is the full-time one. And, man, I, I said it before. I can't stand full-time work. I, I, full-time sucks. I'll say it. I'm proud to say it. Full-time sucks because it does. Every time, it's the same garbage, and I, I simply get physically ill as in nauseous dealing with garbage. Here's what happens, right? So I had submitted the last paperwork. Everything's fine. They're telling me it's a total remote on board. You never need to walk in an office. Great. So then they send me a link and it's like, all right, you're going to come down to the local office and get this stuff done. Like, no, 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 no. The guy I'm working with, they have a liaison person. I'm working with him and he says, oh, don't worry about that. Disregard that. There's a separate onboarding thing that's going to happen, right? Okay, so I didn't get it when he said I was supposed to get it, so I'm waiting and marinating the cut, and then eventually I get it, and they're like, okay, we'll give this to you tomorrow, which is today. Okay, so I get this business, and it tells me that, okay, we got three steps basically to do. One of them is the I-9. I'm used to that process. I get bad news on that one. I'll get to that in a second. Then there's a license you have to apply for. Bad news on that one. I'll get to that in a second. Then there's this other step you got to do for their internal system to get all set up and do, 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 right? So for the I-9, I have done I-9 on both sides of it. I've been an employer and I've gone through the process. It's actually very easy. 
You go through the form. You can do it digital because of COVID, because of the pandemic, and then you can onboard people remotely using just simply video verification of the documents. You do not need to physically review them because of current guidance. As of now, until the end of the month, you still can do the onboard digital, right? So I've done it before. Actually, with my second endeavor, they they required me to go through an I-9 because it's a W-2-based contract. Okay, fine. And I did it, and they initially came back, and they were like, yeah, we need you to go down to the deep, deep. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And then they said, yeah, get a friend, deep, deep. That's not possible. None of them are here in the state. It's not going to work. I can do video. They, I got escalated to the manager and he did it for me. Yeah, sure. No problem. Okay, cool. So I know it's kosher because I've done it. And then this org did it. Another one I did up in North Dakota did it. Like it's, it's normal because of the pandemic. What they're trying to do is mitigate the spread of what they believe is this COVID thing forcing people to go in an office for no other purpose than to just look at your secondary documents and verify you when you're doing e-verify anyway, because e-verify is largely the rule now. So there's no reason to then force people in an office because you're just going to go to e-verify. It's a digital thing. You type in the social, you type in the name that's on the social, you type in a driver's license. It's going to come back as a pass. I checked myself. I actually screened myself. It's going to pass every time. E-Verify is designed to filter out those that are illegals so that you know they're illegals. You still have to hire them. They just have to report they're illegal. So it's a stupid thing. The point is you can review this video virtual during the COVID until the end of the month. This start date is the 24th. So I'm saying I chimed back and said I was very polite and I just said I'd like to use this process because DHS says it's okay. This guy comes back with a very terse response that basically tells me I got to go down to a thing. And I told him, and this is where I'm going, okay, well, then I guess we have to withdraw this business because I'm at that point now mentally, folks, where I'm like, I am pushing back every time when it's full time, but even when it's contract, like I don't even care anymore. I'm old, okay? I don't have time. I had one who said, yeah, we need a signed letter from a dude, dude. I'm like, no, no. Signed letter from a religious somebody or a signed letter from a doctor or a signed letter from this. I'm not a child. I'm not getting a signed letter. I'm a grown, almost cussed, grown a adult, I will tell you what I will and will not do. And you will accept my answer as an adult, making my own choice, my body, my choice, regardless of why it doesn't matter why I'm not getting a signed letter from somebody else to make you happy. Screw you. That's what, it, that's what I've been doing. So I push back on these silly, stupid requirements, which is frustrating because up to this point, it actually been pretty smooth. And it seems like every time you get to HR, they always seem to, and everything slows down to a crawl and it gets back to the garbage that it always has been. Okay, so then the liaison that I've been working with, he's like, yeah, so apparently these jokers, for whatever reason, decided they would tear down their video equipment. I don't know why, because the pandemic's still going. So that, at least the positive is that for remote workers, they don't need to have the camera on, apparently, because if they don't have cameras, they can't do it, or maybe that was just HR regardless, so they can't do the video. He says, yeah, I'll just come by and I'll just review them for you. Great. The problem is that's what that other joker should have just offered. You know what? I'll just help you out and work with you. Because the rule of that form, the I-9, because again, I've done it on every side of it. The rule is you have to make sure it's submitted. And the person who's trying to submit it, as in my applicant, if they're willing to work it as a paper form, you still have to do it. You can't just refuse. And some of these companies, they're building this, okay, we'll just force everybody to this thing. You do, do. And then they don't have the plan B and the plan C. What if somebody's 
physically, they, they can't, they have physically impaired, right? Disability, Americans with Disabilities Act. You can't force them to a process that doesn't comply with disabilities. I don't happen to have that type of a disability. The point is, that's why you have to have multiple ways to submit this thing. That's why I push back. Okay, we get to the license step now, and this is an ongoing thing. They charge you to go and do the application for the license, and they don't reimburse it, which pissed me off. Liaison's like, this is new to me. It's a new process. We changed the da 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 I don't even know why the license is required because the role doesn't apply. It's a stupid thing. Then after you do the application, you have to go and schedule to have somebody go get your fingerprints on this business. And then you got to pay again for the fee that they do for the background and then pay the service provider. So they get paid so they can pay their workers. So you're talking like 150 bucks just so that this employer is happy and they meet their compliance, but that they're happy in the way things are done and they don't reimburse it. That's what got me. And I, I read this through the riot act. Your company should be comping this. You should be paying it. If this was a drug screen, that's what you would do. They pay for that. They cover the drug screen. So why does it make sense? This one, I have to pay out of my pocket. People, I'm telling you, I was on the, I, and I did at that one. I'm like, okay, screw you. I'll just walk. And they fought to not have me walk. And they finally accommodated. I shouldn't have to do that. It should be. If he doesn't want to do that, let's work with him 50, 50 to figure out how to make it work. Because we understand what he's saying. He's a grown a adult and he's trying to protect his boundaries and he doesn't feel like doing this. In the license side, the license is not specific to the company. It's reusable at least. Great. If I ever chose to do it, I wouldn't. But let's say I did. I can at least reuse it for that. So fine. But I am going to still complain when I get in this business and say, you should be comping this crap. It's stupid. And the other thing is I didn't know about the fees. If I had, I would have forced them in the offer letter to basically pay whatever those fees are as an upfront reimbursement. So you're comping that, that fee structure as a, you know, on the first paycheck, I didn't know about it. That's what also pissed me off. It's been a very challenging two days. It's only been the past two days because everything started speeding up after I submitted the other form. But that's what my life was like. I can't get the money as fast as I want to get it from one of the clients. Can't get payment, full payment from the second client. And then the third one, is putting all sorts of hoops and trying to treat me like a child, and that ain't going to work for me, brother. Given that, I then turn my attention to cryptocurrency, and let me share with you what I saw. Are you watching graphs kind of in a disappointed mode? I hope not. I hope you're not just staring at the graph kind of depressed or disappointed or any of that. It's not worth it. That's why I hope you're not doing it. It's not. There's a couple of things happening, and I'll break down best I know of what's happening currently. It's a little bit trickier than what it seems. So let's talk about Luna Classic, because I think it's the best indicator of what could be in the future. Recently, we saw Luna Classic. It is still trending sideways. It had a little bit of a dip, but it's still trading sideways. People were wondering what the heck is going on, and then they started looking at other graphs and other tokens, and they saw... Major dips like with Ethereum, I say major, quote unquote, but it was like a hundred bucks or something. We see these dips all over the all over the board, and what appears to have happened, the Asian markets seems like there was a sentiment shift in terms of the concerns about money, and that's of course tied to inflation and everything else, worldwide trade, the war situation. There was just the Asian countries seemed to get skittish, and on mass they started selling more than was expected. This has a ripple effect, no pun intended, across the industry because every 
cryptocurrency at some point, they kind of roll lockstep, especially when you talk about Ethereum to the tokens that it's paired to. They kind of roll lockstep. And so it simply means that somewhat there was some skittish sentiment. They were a little bit nervous, a little bit hesitant, weren't really sure what to do and decided to sell off cryptocurrency, presumably so that they could stack their bags in some other, like a bank account or something else. I'm not too much concerned about it, frankly, because I still believe that there's going to be a bullish run. I also believe that some of this is around the, you know, potentially November blowout. We're getting really close to that. If that happens, I do think there's a bull run. And I've got a little bit of a mention about that here later. When I looked at Ethereum, Ethereum is in a slight downward trend. So it is trending downward. I'm still on record. If you're new to the show, by the way, welcome. But I'm still on record. If Ethereum goes down beneath $900 per coin, I will do live karaoke on the YouTube channel. That's how confident I am that it's likely not going to happen. Time will tell whether I have it right or wrong. But Ethereum is also down and Bitcoin went down ever slightly. People suspect Bitcoin will go down even more. It's still been pretty confidently wavering around the 19,000 mark, testing that bottom resistance as much as it can. And some people think it is going to breach and go down a little bit further. If it does, I consider that a good thing for some people that are interested because we do expect that Bitcoin is going to go on a run. We just don't know why. Well, here's some bits and bulbs that came out recently, which was that the Dow Jones Jones is now much more volatile than Bitcoin. Do you know what that means? That means that with the Dow Jones, basically there's so much buy and sell activity, it's creating a volatility that makes it not necessarily the confident asset that it might have once been the set of, you know, stocks and things that are issued under Dow Jones. There's not the confidence anymore in it as a, from a stability perspective. And there's more stability or at least increasing stability on the Bitcoin side. That's why I say if you get to a price point that's more accessible to more people, it tends to trigger bull run activities. Am I guaranteeing it? No, I would not bet on that. I'm saying it is possible because the more people that get into it, the more people that likely stay in it, especially people that have always wanted to be in it. But there's the psychological effect in Bitcoin of holding at least one of a thing. I talked about that. And with its current price, it's simply out of reach for the vast majority of wealth that's not already in cryptocurrency. People who are already in cryptocurrency already know what it is. They know what to do. They know about the Satoshi level. They know about the percentages. They're going to go in because they like it. But as I've said, I go after that wealth that's not in cryptocurrency right now because that's where you're going to get some more long-term stability in all of cryptocurrency. We're not quite there yet. Time will tell. Anybody that's listened to me for a while has heard me crap on NFTs in general. Of course, ETHJets is one of the exceptions where they have created a strong utility. They just actually did their first uh, booked flight. They have booked flights going on, and they did the first one. It was a couple, uh, and they have photos in their Discord channel. Do check that out. I think it's pretty cool um, what they're doing because, again, they're one of these early starters, and they may have the opportunity to create a utility that triggers competition, and competition creates price activity as more people get interested. And the thing is flights in general is something everybody could use. The private flight experience is something everybody could experience and might want to. And just was that priced out? Well, if you can turn that into a viable model, it means there's going to be other ones that set up and it creates a strong competition, which creates some demand. We have to watch what that is on the flip side though. I've been absolutely critical of art featuring dogs and cats and monkeys and seems like so is the SEC because the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, 
start probing the bored apes, at least the creator of the bored apes named Yuga Labs, referring to their and asking the question about their NFTs potentially as securities. Of course, this is Mr. Gary Gensler, who's basically the, the spokesperson of the SEC. And what they're saying is that these might, and I stress that, might violate federal law. And that's going to start some additional investigations to try to figure out if the NFTs in general are securities. They are also looking into ApeCoin. ApeCoin is that garbage that got listed on every exchange in lightning fast time simply because of the board Ape exposure. So the more spread it got, it was going to get more exposure. It was going to get from SEC more scrutiny. We knew that was going to happen. Now, the SEC's statement only called out NFTs. It didn't call out just theirs. And I think the reason, in my opinion, the reason that this might be specifically focused on as terms of this whole security business might have to do with what you might get in addition to the NFT, which is that it's kind of a club and you get perks for long-term members. And then what happens is the SEC treats it as a quote contract. Now there's kind of a gray line there. A contract means that there's an agreement between entity A, entity B, and possibly entity C, et cetera, right? And it's an agreement to terms. And the terms are then secured, quote unquote, by something, by a person's labor, by a dollar amount, by an account, by whatever. So when you get a credit card, you are essentially signing a contract for the issuance of the card. The contract is what seals the terms of this. The thought is that these NFTs, club style NFTs, quote unquote, are used to secure, in this case, the perks and then resemble an investment contract. Here's why I say it's a gray area. The key word there is investment, right? An investment by simple definition is that you're putting money in with an expectation of an ROI. If you're putting money in for a service, that by definition is not an investment. It is you're doing it for a service. Certain NFTs might be saying, yeah, go ahead and do this, and there's an expectation of greater wealth and a return, right? If you have certain of these as assets that are fed back to you. Now, this is something each jet should be aware of, at least, that this scrutiny is happening around the board ape club because if there is that same distribution or expectation of wealth associated with the NFT, it means that all of them are subject to the same scrutiny. It means that you get into kind of this ripple situation. Ripple eyes are on it to see if they're going to defeat the SEC with all that stuff that's going on. If NFTs get into the same scrutiny, it means that board eight would be that same. They would be in XRP's position and all eyes would be on that case to try to figure out what's going to happen because it affects all of NFT at that point. And at worst, I would suspect that the most that could happen is you just need to make sure that whatever you issue as an NFT does not try to enrich holders of the NFT above and beyond a basic service that's provided. I suspect that's really that delineation. If it's just for a service, we don't really care. But if you're doing it where you expect a return for the money put in, financial return, then we're going to start looking at that with a little bit more scrutiny. So a great example is the Dolce & Gabbana NFTs. The Dolce & Gabbana NFTs by themselves are just to get access to the digital and physical versions of a certain product. That's all it really does. As far as I know, it doesn't give you any sort of passive wealth or passive income or any sort of that sort of thing. And the ones that do might be then put under the microscope by the SEC at some point down the road. I'm simply saying... It is something that we should be at least aware of, if not just passively so aware of, so that you know what to do if it comes down. 
It doesn't mean it kills the business because at some point there's going to be some conversations about, okay, what do we do? Does that mean that we just have to register? Does that mean we have to form an LLC? What do you do about it? And then kind of go from there. Metaplex, which I had never heard of, but it's an NFT-based, Solana rather, based NFT platform. Uh, Metaplex, apparently they were doing airdrops of its governance token. So what they did is they were just dumping, you know, dropping, dumping, dropping, 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 dropping their tokens like crazy. And this is a strategy. And if you've heard me for a while, I said that it could be used as a marketing tool. Many of these projects are starting to abuse it because you're basically devaluing your product when you do that. If you just give your money away, you're devaluing it. I suspect that's what's happening. I had never heard of Metaplex and likely will never look at it given this. Um, But what happened was in their process, they said that if you mint at least five NFTs using our tool, we'll give you free tokens, free internet money. So the, the problem with this is that as you, again, if you give your money away, you are devaluing your product and that's what it appears has happened here. It's a lesson to be learned from many of these other projects that use their tokens as a giveaway for in exchange for doing an action, in this case, minting NFTs, you're saying that the NFTs is where the value is and your token has no real value. I don't think that's the right answer. However, it's their project. They're going to do what they're going to do. I simply call it out here because other projects I know thought about doing stuff like this and hopefully they don't continue down that path. Shib, Shiba Inu. I am not, I, that's not true. I do have a small bag of Shiba Inu. It is not a large bag. It's a, I wouldn't say minuscule. It's worth halfway nothing now that it's crapped. So apparently they're losing a lot of users. There was a time back in, I think it was August or something else. They had lost a lot of um, bags. A lot of people dumped their bags and got completely out of Shib. And this started right around when they started releasing photos about the so-called Shibaverse and the picture of the dog walking through the woods, which I said, I believe you're turning people off. I believe your bone strategy is jacked up. I believe you're pissing people off. And while you might succeed long-term as it stands right now, I don't, I'm not optimistic. I don't see that you're going to make this thing work in the big picture of it. Now, maybe they do, and maybe they screwed me wrong, but I don't see it right now. (laughs) I'm not sold. So it seems like other investors are feeling the same thing because ship's price has been dwindling. It's nowhere close to all-time high. That's not true. It has been losing some holders. And if you remember, SHIB's strength comes from the number of holders. It had over a million holders. And that came off of largely organic community pump. What you're seeing is the bubble popping. People are kind of moving on. There's other things out there that are catching people's eye, other shinies. That's all that's really happening. But also, they have, I argue, done a very poor strategy approach in what they were doing. Now, whether they recover or not, is yet to be seen. I'm not trying to naysay them. If you are still in it, I'm not trying to trash them because it's not a scam. It's just that they had a critical critical time when they could have done the right thing with the SHIB that was basically too much, turned the SHIB into the gas token for the Shibarium and really impressed a lot of people, burned some supply at the same time, got a little bit of a headwind. They didn't do that. Now they're playing catch up but too many other projects have shown up. I mean, geez, right now, Luna Classic is essentially a meme token, not only cheaper, but way more value, way more volume, and it has eyes on it. I'm not trashing SHIB. I'm saying that I believe that they took too long to do the right thing with their project, and we're seeing the outputs of this in terms of loss of investor sentiment. CNN, aka the Clinton News Network, it's a news out here. They had created a 
project for NFTs that said Vault by CNN. And what it was doing is it took moments in history on their broadcast side and they turned them into NFTs to, and they were putting them up for sale. Well, they said there was an experiment. They would try it and they basically quit. They gave up, quit. So they're not going to do that anymore. (laughs) And here's the thing. I actually think it's a good idea. I don't know why CNN would try to do it. I, I, I do. I understand. But I think it's stupid. I think if you take something like the, you know, some sort of museums, like museums, I think you could have turned this into something. But CNN, I understand why they thought it might have made sense. Part of the challenge is that you've got too many people today that can't appreciate some of those moments. And I think that may cause harm in trying to get people to jump on board, perhaps, and maybe that's what it is. Ultimately, they quit and gave up. So if you were trying to buy a CNN NFT, I'm sorry. That's probably not going to happen here soon. Uh, Your NFTs, as they are, will probably still have value, especially if you bought them, and you'll still be able to buy and sell them, but they apparently are going to have them available in the future. Temple Dow, which I I avoid Dows like the plague, but Temple Dow and Stacks Finance, which is not stacked that I covered, S-T-A-X, this one, apparently got exploited today. And this was $2.3 million as estimated. And what they did, the attacker, this is brilliant, apparently they forged a smart contract. Now, I'm concerned how this is so easy, but what they did is they basically wrote up a smart contract and the smart contract essentially cheated. It essentially said, I can call the function that's built into the existing contract and withdraw funds out of it. So they didn't breach the existing contract. It was kind of like, you know, I was able to sneak in a back door and take some money out without affecting the existing contract. That's weird because you would, I suspect what's happened is they probably had some sort of an API, like an integration point that was wide open that they didn't secure that somebody decided to make a call against. Point is, Temple Dow is downplaying what it is. That I think it's a big deal. 2.3 million is a pretty dang big deal. If you're in Temple Dow or Stacks Finance, they may be trying to contact you on some form of social media or telescam. If you're not, good for you, because I don't think so, whatever. And then the last bit of news for today, and this ties more to um, Triad members, but I'll just call it out as news itself. So, OpenSea has just recently announced support for Avalanche NFTs. Now, of course, OpenSea to date has been pretty much Ethereum, I'd say 90% of the time. It had Ethereum, it had Polygon, Clayton, which I never heard of, Solana, Optimism, which is uh, tied to Arbitrum, which is also there. Now, of course, Avalanche. This didn't really move the needle. Um, Not many people jumped on it, which was surprising to me because Avalanche is popular If you look at the price of the token, it was having some pretty good price movement, but it seemed like it didn't really move the needle. I suspect what's happening there, just to be honest, and this ties to my try it update as I I wrap up. The Avalanche chain feels like the one, it should have been Cardano, it's not. Then it should have been Solana, certainly not, because they keep crashing. It feels like with Polygon being brought to its knees by that garbage Sunflower game, Phantom has some issues with its blockchain, Avalanche seems to not have nearly as many issues as some of the other ones, and it seems to have a good velocity upward. And as a result, on the triad side, it is where I launched the first token because it, number one, gas. There's no gas or very little. It's like a penny or something. Number two, it felt like a very stable network. It was easy to get the token created. Everything's pretty smooth with it. Didn't have any issues. I was pretty satisfied with what it was. 
knowing that I wasn't going to get like the popularity of Ethereum or Binance, I also have, I'm largely insulated from the garbage, like the Binance smart chain and the, the risk vector of the Ethereum chain. So I did place it at least right now in the avalanche. The reason I like this news, and again, ties to Triad, is I've still been trying to decide for the second token whether it really should be an NFT. The reason is that the second token is essentially a tradable. It is intended to be that you can trade it, you can buy and sell it if you choose, and it's intended to be a collectible at some level. So it makes sense to possibly be an NFT. Seeing that this happened encourages me to consider whether I should make it an NFT and then make it truly collectible as part of that strategy. Now that complicates a couple things, not a lot, but it does complicate a couple things in terms of the the redemption aspect of all this, but it's something I'm thinking of and seeing that this is now open C, it does actually open the door for that second token. Should I expose it for trading? So you earn it, right? And then you can expose it for trading. You set the price, right? Cause you can, there's a floor, but you can dictate the price that you want. You can sell it for whatever value and potentially make some profit all the while. There's really no risk to tribe members. And that was really exciting to me. So seeing that, open now for avalanche does pique my interest and makes me think maybe I should look into this NFT thing. And that is something I plan to do. So if you have tokens on the avalanche chain, if you've been having your eye on NFTs on the avalanche chain, now's your time to take a look at it. As far as me, I'm going to hope that my food's going to be here soon and I'm going to wrap up. That's going to do it for today's episode of crypto talk radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. I want to thank you for listening here today. I know you have choices, whether you're a new listener or a subscriber, we appreciate each and every one of you. Check out our site, CryptoTalkRadio.net. We have a contact form, the links at the very top. We'd love to hear from you and how we're doing and what you like or what you don't like. We read each and every one of those. Also check out our triad. The triad is a community that we're working to build forward of strong, smart investors the ones that want to lead us into the next generation of cryptocurrency to evolve cryptocurrency into a more mature investment strategy for people, help people as they're growing and they get into this space. We don't want the ones that say the word Jeet and the ones that say the word Keck. We want the ones that treat this as a serious thing. Join us on our journey. Until next time, take care, be safe. Please don't YOLO into projects, any project. It doesn't matter what it is. Be smart with your investments. Make sure you always keep a roof over your head, food on your table. Your family comes first. Don't get stuck in this. Our goal is to try to help keep you safe, but we're only an informing source. There are a lot of sources out there, some of which are not really looking out for you. They're looking out for themselves. So always be careful with the advice that you take and what you do with that information is up to you, but just be smart about it is all we ask. See you next episode.